Have you ever wondered what it is that you must do to attain righteousness, to somehow elevate yourself and make yourself worthy of God? Have you ever wondered what it is that you must do to elevate yourself above the things around you and to climb yourself up into some place that God might see you and have mercy on you? Have you ever wondered what you might do to make yourself more perfect, to deserve God's love or the love of another person? Have you ever wondered how you might deliver yourself from death? How many prayers must you pray? How many good things must you do? How many gold stars must you earn in God's collection book? Before you can be assured of eternal life or even peace. Have you ever wondered, what must I do to save myself? Jesus declared, it is finished. We might wonder, what is the it there? If it's one word and that third person means that Jesus is referring to something that's being done outside of himself. For someone else, what is it that is being done? Is he speaking of some requirement or some sort of goal? Some people will say that Jesus' death was a means of extracting the required blood to appease God's wrath. But last night we heard that the requirement for blood is for us. That God had given blood in the first covenant for us to make atonement for ourselves, not to make appeasement for God. In fact, the book of Hebrews explicitly says, that God does not desire the sacrifice of animals. But these things are given to us to demonstrate to us the absurdity of our sin, the cost of it, and the absurdity of being separated from God because of that sin. And then others will say that the requirement that Jesus is speaking for is that He be required to die for us. They will add that this is why He came. They are right. But dear ones, that is not the whole story. If you cease there, you don't have a grasp of the whole gospel and you may yet think there is something that you must do. In fact, in this gospel, Jesus states His purpose for coming. He says these words in chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He didn't say His purpose was simply to come and die for us. Dear ones, He did say His purpose was to come and give us life. Life beyond limit. The cross is certainly part of how He does this. In his death, Jesus satisfies the requirements of the law of Moses and demonstrates God's love for us in the exact same moment he does both things. He sets us free from our guilt and shame and demonstrates the love of God for us that surpasses anything that we might do to earn it. It is free beyond our ability to pay. 
There is no coin small enough to pay the price for God's love because that price is non-existent. In one moment, Jesus paid our debt to the law and demonstrated to us the love of God when he said, it is finished. In the perfect, passive sense. Jesus says this in the perfect tense because nothing can be added to it. It is complete, complete for all time, never to be repeated. There is no sacrifice that we must make to add on to the other end of what Jesus has done because everything is done. Everything has come to its conclusion in the cross of Christ. There is completion. And so he says that verb in the perfect tense. And then he says it in the passive tense so that we will know that it is God who pays our debt. That it is God who sends us this message of love. That it is God who is in Christ Jesus setting us free from the requirements of the law of sin and death. And so says Peter. This Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of sinful men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Jesus was obedient where our obedience failed, even to the point of death on a cross, even to the point of stretching out his hands under the weight of his own creation, under the hate of those he spoke into being. It was for that joy that Jesus came. For the joy set before him, we are told, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. The joy of obedience. It's that same joy that he sets us free for, dear ones. Every single time we share the meal He gave us, we say to the Lord, free us for joyful obedience. This is this that Jesus has opened for us in saying it is finished. That we might be set free to see the command to love God and love our neighbor not as something that binds us, but as life-giving hope. For truly to love God and love our neighbor is life. It is not how we live, but life itself. And so while Paul tells us that the wages of sin and death, the wages of sin truly is death, but we must not pay. Because Jesus paid it all. It is complete. It is done. There is no longer a requirement for you to enter into the life of God. But what can we say about the goal? What is the intended purpose? 
It can't be anything but that He dies to give us life. In Isaiah 52, the prophet tells Israel, you were sold for nothing. Meaning by that, that they gained what they had by their own sin. That the exile they were in was a product. It is a continuance of the wage of sin being death. That their time in Babylon was the fruit of their own labor. That they were sold for nothing. And then he says, listen to this, and you shall be redeemed without money. And so says Peter, it was not with silver and gold that we have been redeemed from our empty way of life, from our scrounging for this and that, from our lust for this and that, for our betrayals for this and that, for our giving ourselves and laying ourselves down for meaningless, trivial things in this world and chasing after things that separate us from one another. Peter says you have been redeemed from that. But not by gold and silver, but listen, with the precious blood of Christ. The cross extracts that price. We are not redeemed from sin and death by our own efforts, but Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. By His blood, the Lamb of God, Jesus of Nazareth, has ransomed us from sin and death. He bore our sin, His his body on the tree, and put our sin to death. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This, dear ones, are the promises of the Scripture to us. The promises of the Word of God to us. So I ask you again, what can we possibly add to Christ's death? To the shedding of His own blood? What can we possibly add to the giving of God's own Son? What can we possibly add to Jesus feeling alone on the cross? To feeling abandoned by the Father? What can we possibly add to His suffering? What can we possibly add to His humiliation? What can we possibly add to His sin and peace offering for us? What can we possibly add to it that would make it more effective than what has already been done for us by the Son of God? This, dear ones, is why we call this day holy. Because Jesus said it is finished. In the perfect passive tense. What can we add to what God in Christ Jesus has already given? You may have been looking at your worship bulletin. I hope you did. It's for you. Would you look at it now? Without practicing so it would seem cheap and weird, the answer is your sermon title. So I ask you to say to me as one people, what can you add? to the death of Jesus to make it more effective.
Amen.